Welcome to the fourth podcast of The Long View, which, as those who've been following the podcast, is about an economic consideration or a consideration of the economic effects of the COVID crisis. Today, I'm really pleased to invite to the podcast, to invite to Long View, Peter McCauley, who's a, um, a veteran economist, uh, veteran Australian economist, many years at AusAid, has worked at the Asian Development Bank and now has a role at the ANU. So, um, Peter, welcome to the Long View podcast. Thank you. Um, our topic today is uh, to look a little bit further, uh, deeper into some of the economics of, uh, of what's going on with COVID and maybe just to open up, look under the rock a bit and see, uh, you know, what's really at stake here for us, um, both as Australians, but also adding a little bit with your international experience, the wider view. So I just invite you, uh, Peter, to, to, to share with us what do you think are, like, say, the three main points that we should be thinking about when we're considering the economics of uh, the COVID crisis we're in. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity to, to talk about it because this is an astonishing crisis. And there are three main points, as you say. There are three main points that strike me as important. They are, first of all, it is a medical crisis. But second, that feeds in, that is closely related to an economic crisis. And the third thing that is striking is that this is a truly global crisis. You know, nor normally when we have an economic crisis of some sort, we, we had a global financial crisis 10 years ago, but that was mainly in OECD countries. We had an Asian financial crisis, but that was mainly in selected parts of Asia. Uh, it, it is very unusual to have what is actually a true global crisis. So those are the three aspects of them, the medical side of it, the economic side of it, and the global side of it. Well, let, let's look at the medical one. Uh, what are, what's, what's, what's at stake? Well, in a sense, we're stuck at present. The world is stuck. We have this virus, this attack, and we're trying to deal with it. But there are several quite major problems. The first major problem is that, uh, as epidemiologists are saying, we are still struggling to deal with, the, to understand it. There's a lot we don't know. After all, the crisis really only became widespread, became known, came to attention. It, it, it's, it's still only six months ago. Mm. So the scientific world is struggling to mm. gather data and to understand this crisis and to understand the impacts, to understand why are there such big differences between countries. Some mm. countries have coped reasonably well. Vietnam in our region is said to have coped reasonably well, mm. for example. But uh, India has not. And clearly, uh, America has dealt with it very badly. Mm. So why, why exactly, from a scientific point of view, uh, are there these differences? And the second big, huge medical problem really is a vaccine. We really need something to stop this crisis, to, to stop corona. And we need a vaccine. 
But we don't really know how long a vaccine will take, or even some epidemiologists are saying they are not at all sure. They can't be confident. They hope. They hope we'll have a vaccine, but they can't be sure. Mm. So in the medical, in that medical area, then we're dealing with a wide range of uncertainties. But that means that, doesn't it? That means that if we, even if we take the more optimistic medical scenarios and that, an op, that a vaccine is presented, say, in about 12 months and it's reasonably effective, it's still not going to solve everything instantaneously, is it? So, I mean, like, are we still, how long are we looking at in terms of, you know, this, this virus affecting international uh, movements, international trade, international economy. I'm mean, just looking at the health effects, you know, um, two years, three years before that we have any sense of a normality. Yeah, look, yeah. No, look, who knows? My, yeah. my guess, my, my guess w would be at least, at, we'll be lucky. Yeah. We'll be lucky to have got on top of it within three years, yeah. the medical side of it. We'll be lucky, more likely five, because you see there's, the, the, the problems, even if we get a vaccine, mm. um, there's the whole logistics problem of creating enough vaccine to get to maybe three or four billion people across the world. You've got to get to a very large number of people to, to set up enough herd immunity, set up enough protection. A lot of them are in developing countries. If we can't get this stuff vaccine into developing countries, we're going to have a lot of countries around the world that will remain in effect, global hotspots. So the logistics of doing this, you've got to yeah. produce enough vaccine for, for, for three or four billion people. And then you've got to get jab the arms of three or four billion people across the world. Now, this, yes, you this need, is you not can't just to get 10%, can you? You need to get like 65, 70, maybe even 80%. Something, something like yeah. that. You know, I don't I, I mean the ep epidemiologists will tell us, but the logistics, even if we have a vaccine, what, you're looking at at least 12 months, maybe two years, maybe three years after the vaccine to, to, to start. Imagine, imagine the task of, of, of vaccinating enough people in India. Yeah. To, you know, yeah. So, so, in Africa. And, um, but the, so if that's right, if we're looking at, say, let's just say we're saying three years, right? Well, that has some pretty interesting implications for how a government, an Australian government, has to sort of think about how it structures. Um, I agree. No, I, I agree completely. This, this poses enormous problems for governments, uh, which then gets me to my second issue, I suppose. Yeah. I'm an economist. And how do you cope with it? We, we've got this, we've got this trade-off. We've got this dilemma. There's mm -hmm. almost a clash here between the medical requirements and the economic requirements. Yeah. On the medical side of it, you need to keep things fairly clamped down. You need to uh, practice social distancing and all of this sort of thing, work from home and all the rest of it. Hmm. Uh, uh, but on the economic side of it, this, this really has very great economic impacts. And I'm, I'm worried, by the way, that, you know, we're just in, we're, we're three or four months into the economic impact. The real hit is hmm. probably yet to come. Yeah. There's this challenge, you know, in Australia of removing job seeker at the end of September. And many countries have the same problem. They're looking at the same problem in the United States and in Europe and in the UK. They can't keep up these levels of support for too long. The levels of support are very high, 
very high. They'll have to start withdrawing the support. So what happens to the economies then? I, I am worried that the real economic hit is yet to come. I mean, we've just seen in the last few days here in Australia, Qantas. Qantas has taken a big hit. Qantas has yeah, I wonder what the real but, unemployment rate in Australia yes, exactly. actually is. Like, I mean, to say it's 14%, which is a number well, that people are talking about, that may be too low. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, it may I agree. Be I agree. Now, you know, the, the Prime Minister was talking about putting the economy into hibernation for a while. I, I think he's dropped that phrase, but yeah. whether you call it hibernation or something else, some other people have called it a coma. But yeah. we'll have to withdraw from this at some stage. We have to move. So the real, this, this gets us back, this gets us to a core issue. Yeah. Looking over the next three or four years, what we're probably going to do is we're going to have to learn to live with corona. Think about that for a minute. We're going to have to learn to live with it. And, and uh, I, I'm not quite sure how we learn to live with it. We'll have to find some sort of a balance between the medical pressure, between the medical issues and the economic issues. And that's not going to be easy because there'll be a lot of disagreement. People will be unhappy. So it, it's really a perfect storm. And now, and that gets me to my third point. It's a global storm. Yeah. We're seeing the storm in Australia, but this storm is going on in lots of other countries. I guess it's very clear in the United States where it's very divisive, but obviously in the United Kingdom, uh, Boris Johnson is having problems in Europe and across the whole of the developing world, India. India is now unlocking, yeah. but we, we, it, it may flare up again. China thought it had it un under control and now it's flared up again and in Beijing. It's just totally out of control. So, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, an it's an astonishing mess. Yeah. Now, so far here in Canberra, we've, we, we seem to have dealt with it reasonably well. We're very lucky in Canberra, extremely lucky. We're lucky because it's not hard to maintain social distance in Canberra. We're not crowded. Most of us have a high standard of living. And also, most it's, of a, it's a the labour market with a public sector yes, focus. Exactly. No, sure. we're, 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 we're very lucky and we need to remember this. Yeah. We need to remember that we are lucky in Canberra. So those, those are the three issues as I see them, the, the medical issue, the economics issue and the global Challenge. I, and I, I think, think it's, it's that um, from a um, you know from perspective, Australia's you know as a trading nation, with its uh, wealth and GDP often driven GDP per capita also driven by um, capacity to export to the world economy, proposes challenges. But yet again, it seems to me that um, obviously, if there's going to be an international global um, recession then there'll be a reduction in demand for our agricultural and mineral exports. They seem to be holding up at the moment, but um, are we going to, I mean, that's, the, that's one, are we going to take a, a bit of a tsunami, do we think, to Australia's um, growth over the medium term from a declining world economy, or, or will we be able to, what's your feeling, Peter? Yeah, may, maybe, you know, we might be the lucky country again. Yeah, I, I was just looking at some some data, some figures this morning, and the region of the world, the part of the world that is so far dealing with the crisis in economic terms most successfully is is Asia, East and Southeast Asia, yeah. developing Asia, and yeah. that those are our main markets for our 
resources and our agricultural products and even even our education, which, yeah. which is the problems at present. So Australia being the lucky country, we may well find, I mean, in, in many ways, we're very, very fortunate. Yeah. We, I don't know if we know how fortunate we are, but we live on the rim of the part of the world, East and Southeast Asia and South Asia, which is which in the past, the last 30 or 40 years, has had a, a, a very high and dynamic growth rate, and which right now on the IMF's latest forecasts, the, the, the region is going to have a, a growth according to the IMF of something like minus 1%. Yeah. But that which is far better. No, the other parts of the world, you're looking at minus 6%, minus 8%. Yeah, these are very, very, very big numbers. So, um, so yeah. we, may, we, we may be saved again. Yeah. by the, the, the lucky the lucky country by virtue of being and this I must say looking forward 30 or 40 years ahead as a person who works on Asia I'm not sure that we understand how lucky we are and, and whether we are responding to the opportunities in Asia that gets us to another question but we we are a strange rich country here we are on the rim of the best part of the world to be selling resources to so We'll have to see. National economics is better for us than it might be for the United States or for Russia or for uh, uh, European nations. The focus of policy, I suppose, is is on trying to maintain as vibrant a domestic economy as we can. And you know, the um, what worries me particularly is that you know there'll be a massive shakeout. Um, in sometime between in the next well after JobKeeper is phased out, I expect it to be transitioned out. I don't think they're going to have a cliff in September. I think it'll it'll they couldn't really still be doing it next year. At the most, it'll have six months to taper off. I think so. We're going to look at this pretty horrible situation, um, especially for example, you're a school leaver. I've got a, a, a person in year twelve. I've got two two of my older children at the ANU. A scary time to be a young person and a scary time to be a parent, really, because I agree. You know, no, I agree. You I agree entirely. Person. You've invested in them and you love them and you think, oh, wow, um, well, it's going to be hard. I agree. Yeah. And that's, I, in some ways, that's what, that's really my key point. Yeah. We really, we're really looking at a humdinger of a crisis. Yeah. This is a quite, extraordinary crisis and I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if people really have absorbed yeah, get it yeah how, how it, it is it is it is an extraordinary we're three months four months into an extraordinary crisis and it's probably going to go on for quite a while yet and it may well get worse and the exit is three four years away um, it, it's a very difficult period well, there was this, of course, I'm a, a bit of a scholar of, um, uh, you know, the Scottish Enlightenment and uh, those sort of people. So there, there was this guy called Carlyle who uh, coined the phrase that, um, you know, economics is the dismal science. <laughs> I think today we're sort of propounding the story, unfortunately, that we are a bit the prophets of the dismal science. But I suppose for Canberra, and for Australia, it's less dismal than it is for the rest of the world. I really I thank you for right. the opportunity to engage with you, um, 
Peter, particularly the three insights that you've given us and a bit of the reality shock, I think I found that my sort of take out, if you have takeouts from a little conversation is that, yeah, it's, you know, we think we have done well and the people sort of think we're getting over it. Well, I think we're going to have to take pause and think again. Thank you for the opportunity to engage with you today, Peter. I enjoyed it. Thank you.